JT the Brick. All right, hour number two of the show as we continue here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Tomorrow, I'll be inside the building hosting the show after practice tomorrow. Real busy day. We're working on a special podcast project for the Raiders, so I'll host that earlier in the day than this show. We'll do that. I'm excited about that as we get ready for Canton off Friday and Monday. As I travel to Canton on Friday, and then we travel back on Monday, Coach Flores' event is Sunday night late, so we'll be back Monday at some point, back on the air Tuesday. And then we lead into the first preseason game in Raider history with fans. First preseason game because last year the preseason was wiped out, which was not good for Vegas. It wasn't good for the Vegas economy. It wasn't good for our radio station. It wasn't good for anybody. I like the preseason. It provides jobs for people in Vegas Provided many jobs for people in Oakland over the years. People that work, serve beer, work behind the scenes. It's part of the economy of people booking hotel rooms. Uh, Only one preseason game, two on the road before the Raiders open up on Monday Night Football. Pretty big August here. Be at Guns N' Roses at the end of the month, too. And all the events that we've had. Gold Cup soccer starting us off at the end of the month, beginning of this month, into Guns N' Roses to close out the month. And a Raider game. In Vegas, how exciting is that? 702-365-9200. We opened up the show with a call to action. Who are the top three priorities for the Raider offense in order this year? So you have to slot one, two, three. Can't have another one. Who, what order are you going? We've been getting a lot of calls on the first two being a lock. Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, or Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs. But the third's been wide open. We had a couple of calls on Kenyon Drake. A uh, couple of calls on rugs. And, you know, there's Edwards and Renfro who are out there and Zay Jones. And if you look at the receiving core on this team so far, and Foster Moreau is big. I'm surprised we haven't had a Foster Moreau call because you would think as the second tight end behind Waller, the top wide receiver would get more touches. And you're right. But Moreau's going to be a big-time player here. And the wide receivers that we're looking at, Zay Jones, Henry Ruggs third, Hunter Renfro, John Brown, Willie Sneed, and the other guys, Brian Edwards is the one I'm really excited about, but other guys are attempting to try out. They don't want to be practice squad guys. Marcel Aitman, Keelan Doss is a name we have again, Dylan Stoner, the names that are out there. And the tight ends are deeper than you think. I saw Matt Bushman make a couple of catches today. Derek Carrier. So the Raiders are going to make a bunch of tough decisions. There's going to be. A couple of good offensive players that the Raiders need to protect in regards to the practice squad that other teams are going to want. This is the year where the Raiders have players that other teams are going to want. Uh, the headline story in the NFL is bad news again for the Indianapolis Colts. And the Indianapolis Colts have their second major injury of camp. Carson Wentz will be out anywhere from 5 to 12 weeks. And then the best offensive lineman in all of football. Quentin Nelson, same injury, same exact injury as Wentz. He'll be out 5 to 12 weeks. Those are two of their all-stars, their franchise quarterback and their best player. Their best player is an offensive lineman. So that's a big deal. Will they be picking up the phone to call the Raiders for Marcus Mariota? I think they should, and I don't think the Raiders will bite unless they get an offer they can't refuse, or as I called it, a king's ransom. Tom Brady turns 44 today. The greatest football player of all time is 44 years old today. He looks great. He looks better than ever. And he's going to be tough to beat. And I got updated information on the vaccination 
of players and as the number continues to go up as we get ready to go here. We've been spending a lot of time with Tom Flores talking about the Hall of Fame, Charles Woodson, and now it's Violator's turn. One of the great Raider fans of all time will be inducted into the fan section of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and it's well-deserved. Violator, congratulations again, as I know you're packing to go to Canton. How are you? What's going on, JT? Uh, yes, I'm doing just that, but uh, just took a break to uh, come on the show and uh, just talk about this awesome trip. Yeah, tell me about the trip first in regards to your friends and your family. I know you got vast friends, and a lot of people were excited about this honor for you. And I know there's only so much you can do, but people want to know about hotels, when to fly in, when to see you. How much stress has that been to you as you prepare for this trip of a lifetime? You know, JT, I kind of compared it when you hear the players talking about uh, going to the Super Bowl and all of the family and relatives and people reaching out. That's just how it feels, man. It's just, and I don't have all the answers because I'm on fourth agenda itinerary, mm-hmm. and we don't have much free time to do anything but go be at these different events, which is monumental in, in my eyesight as a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I can tell them is do the best you can to get as close as you can. Our actual induction is Friday morning at 10 a.m., and uh, that's when we receive our blue jackets and our ring. And then uh, after that, I think the only time that we'll probably mostly see each other would be on Sunday on the uh, class of 21 induction. Mm -hmm. That's great. So you almost feel like you got to turn your phone off. you got to focus for this unbelievable experience and then maybe turn your phone back on Friday after you get inducted in. I know you're not going to do that because so many people are going to be texting and tweeting about you and all that, but it's really nice that the Hall of Fame has so much lined up for you, um, including signings and being around Hall of Famers and the game and all that. So how exciting is this for you? Because it sounds like your itinerary is pretty booked. It is pretty booked. Uh, we just got the revised uh, edition yesterday, and, uh, you know, they've got time for us to do mandatory interviews, mm-hmm. uh, both visually and over the phone. So, you know, we, we have time enough to get a snack pretty much, and uh, we go from morning to night every day that we're there. And uh, like I said, I'm going to soak it up like a dry sponge in dishwater, JT. Absolutely. Violator is our guest. I've known you for well over 20 plus years. How's your health? I know from when you were started to walk with a cane to the workouts you've been doing and how you're healthier than ever. What is your physical status? Because this is a demanding road trip. Yes, it is. It it will definitely be demanding. Uh, I'll go to the game in full gear, which will be my roughest day Thursday. Mm -hmm. But uh, like I said, the health is, it's hanging in there, JT. Uh, I have no regrets because a lot of these battle scars, I earned them. Yes. And uh, it's just part of the journey, man. And it makes me appreciate every one of those 30 years. 30 years of standing, going into the parking lot, uh, going into the parking lot, walking around the stadium, traveling. You know, I traveled most of the time, but I didn't travel at the level that you did. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into being Violator, especially when you select road games to go to, and you were traveling into Oakland. Those weren't easy trips. No, they weren't. As a matter of fact, most of the Oakland trips was uh, six-and-a-half, seven-hour drives, you know, in full costume, 
But like I say, we do what we have to do when it comes to game day and when it comes to the Raiders. That's the commitment. That's the passion. And you can't manufacture that. Uh, like I say, it overall, it just enhances the journey to me. I'm at an age now, getting ready to turn 65 here in a few months, where I can really appreciate that walk that I wrote about in the book. Violator is our guest. You can get his book where you get all books, especially Amazon.com, and we'll have them plug it on the way out. I, I want to get into, I think, what's really important to you and the connection that we have through the black hole and all the friends, mutual friends that we have is, you know, it was tough leaving Oakland, and it was tough leaving L.A. and then going back to Oakland, but Oakland fans wanted to keep their team, and you're one of the faces of the Raider Nation but you're in real support of Vegas now as you see what's going on with the stadium and the upside in this market here, the entertainment capital of the world. Tell me about that journey and where you're at in that journey with Vegas. Well, I'm going to put it to you like this, JT, and everybody listening. Once you say, I'm a Raiders fan, to me that means being united under that shield, regardless of weather, race, creed, None of that stuff matters. We're united under that shield. We are nomads by nature. We go where we need to go to support that silver and black shield. Uh, that's just the way I feel about it from my heart. And, yes, it tears at you emotionally when it leaves one city, especially Oakland, because to me as a kid, that was Mecca. That was like holy ground the first time I stepped on it in 95. And uh, – Never forgot that day. It's still like, oh, Christmas in July, pretty much. Uh, but like I say, I can understand each city's plight, especially with that emotional tug. But I always look at the fans that come from around the globe to come there and fellowship with us, man. There's nothing like that. And if everybody had that mindset, wherever that team lands, we'll be there. And that's why you see us blacking out the, all these stadiums around the league. It's a movement. I call it a movement, man, because I've just seen this fan base quadruple. And I'm always looking backwards at Generation Next trying to uh, blaze a, a trail for them to follow. Violator, as we wrap it up, follow him at Violator57, a must-follow on Twitter and social media. So how many times have you been to Canton in the past with the Raiders or just visiting? Is this, how, many, how many trips is this for you? This trip would be my third. Okay. Um, and like I say, I've got my wife going with me. That in itself is the best feeling in the world when you've got your right-hand man or woman right there with you. Uh, to enjoy the moments, as you always hear me say. It's about the moments. You can never recreate that. So it's like appreciate it for what it is. Embrace it as one of those milestones in life and use that platform to open other avenues for other people. This is fantastic. I'm happy you shared that, that you're bringing your wife. I'm bringing my wife for the first time. And for people that have never been to Canton and knowing how small of a town it is but how big the Hall of Fame is, just share a story about why you love it so much and why it's such a perfect fit for you. Well, if I could sum it up, JT, it's like your kids when you take them to Disney World. That look in their eyes, mm -hmm. when you go to Canton, that's our Disney World. And that sums it up. If you don't get goosebumps, just the thought of getting there, then something's wrong. 
proud of you. Congratulations. I'm happy we could do this. I know you got a lot of other radio appearances. Our radio station will be there. Q will be there hosting a show. I'm sure he's reaching out to you. And everybody's excited for you, Violator. You mean a lot to every real Raider fan who's a diehard and so many new fans coming up. Enjoy it. I'll see you out there. We'll spend some time together. I couldn't be more happy for you. Appreciate it, JT. And like uh, I'd like to say this to Raider Nation. All of this is only possible because of you and your support over the years. And that love from me to you is endless. How do you get the book again? Tell everybody about the book quickly. You go to Dawn's Bookstore or Amazon is the easiest way to get it for most people. Amazon.com and selected Barnes and Nobles. You got it, my friend. See you in Canton. Have a safe trip. You got it, JT. Stay blessed. You got it. There he is, Violator. Wow. How many times have you seen Violator on TV or at a Raider game in person? And he's so, so good. So good with his time with everybody. And everybody just can't wait to see him in Canton. Cisco just texted me. Tell him I said hi. Can't wait to see him there. It's going to be fun because the fans are really important. Uh, Raider Mort, who's a mentor to me, one of the greatest Raider fans. I think he was one of the first inducted into the Visa Hall of Fans at in Canton, Ohio. And that was a big honor for him because Raider Mort's an encyclopedia of Raider history. And when he was nominated and got in, I remember how incredible it was. Violated deserves to be there. Got to get Gorilla Rilla in, 100%. And some of our other fans there. Big part of what Raider fans do. You know, a lot of Raider fans saw Violator walk into road games and were like, oh, my God, what's this? What's going on? Here comes the Raider fans. And he's just taking pictures with kids. I see him on the road taking pictures with kids at his seats for a half hour before the game as he's trying to focus on the game. This guy gave back a lot of his time to the Raider Nation, and everybody should salute him and just make sure all I'm telling everybody to do is just DVR all weekend on NFL Network. There's going to be a lot of Raider action there, and there's going to be a lot of Raider action Clearly, as we go to Canton, Ohio, and there's a lot of nice things that are going to happen that I'll be privy to talk about when we get back at the party, but especially leading up to that. Coach Flores, Mrs. Davis, Mark Davis, and the Hall of Famers that are going to be there. Several alumni in town tonight, as John Gruden mentioned, for the dinner that will be at the Torch at the stadium for all the alumni that are here who are staying at the M Resort. Great plug for the M Resort, our proud partner because they're hosting the alumni who are out here, head to the Raiders Tavern and Grill, and I'm sure you'll bump into some of your favorite Raiders, like I saw today, Rod Martin in the great 53. Coming up next, the Hall of Fame voter, the great Howard Balzer will join us. He also covers the Arizona Cardinals. He's fantastic. I'll ask him what the Hall of Fame means to him. A big brawl today, if you didn't see it. Giants had a practice brawl amongst themselves, which was crazy. And the NFL Players Association wants vaccinated players tested more often. What is that about as we're a month away from real football games on Raider Nation Radio? JT, back with you. Howard Balzer in a moment. I'm watching ESPN here with Damon, and we're in a commercial break, and I look up, and they're talking about the Raiders. So I go, turn it up. True story right now. Look at my Twitter, at JT the Brick. So he just got back to me. So Dan Orlowski just got back to me. They're ripping the Raiders. They're ripping the Raiders. And I'm sitting here and I say, he says, well, they broke up the offensive line. They broke up the offensive line. So I tweet at Dan Orlowski, hey, Dan, 
Are you really struggling to figure out why Trent Brown is gone from the Raiders? Really? Did you see his production and attitude? Fair to ask that about Hudson and Gabe Jackson, but please don't include Brown. He got right back to me. Still a reality that 60% of that old line that was very, very good is done. And look, I'm just going to blast them right back here after our guest who joins us coming up now. Howard Balzer, the great Hall of Fame voter who covers the Arizona Cardinals now for SI.com and will be in Canton, Ohio. Howard, thanks for coming on. So much, so excited to talk to you. Let's jump in with what you're most excited about with everything going on. What are you most looking forward to? Well, the special thing, JT, is we're being able to go and that there's a ceremony and there's a celebration and the great weekend in Canton that brings out 4,000 volunteers in town to do all the different things that have to be done. People plan their vacations around being a volunteer for the Hall of Fame and not having the celebration last year, everybody missed it. And so that's a great thing about it is getting back there and, and then having, as David Baker likes to say, twice the fun in 21 with two enshrinement ceremonies on Saturday and Sunday. So usually I do, we do a, you know, I do my the Hall of Fame radio show and then usually uh, host a show on Saturday leading into the enshrinement with a lot of interviews with Hall of Famers. Well, now I'm going to have one on Sunday, too. So it's twice, twice the shows on the weekend as normal. So really looking forward to it, obviously. The concept behind this, you being in the room and a Hall of Fame voter, to have this class in theory, which was to make up for players who didn't get in, might have gotten overlooked in the past, to have that special class. Then, as you said, it gets delayed, so it comes up against this class. You know the inner workings of the Hall of Fame. How are they going to pull this off logistically with the programs on Saturday and Sunday? Because there's going to be some Hall of Famers on Saturday who aren't staying till Sunday night when Charles Woodson's the last to go. And a lot of people on Sunday who are going to go on Saturday because they're going to be there for the weekend. They got their hotel room, so they're going to get double the fun. Yeah, that's true. And I wonder how many maybe will stay uh, until Sunday because, you know, so many of the Hall of Famers that come in, they love coming in every year also. And this is even more time to enjoy it and being around everybody and all those things. And the Hall of Famers get invited to the guys going in this year's parties and they like to go there. So that, that'll be interesting to see, you know, how many do. Uh, but the, the, log- the logistics, you're right, is, is pretty incredible, especially what I'm really wondering about, JT, is that gold jacket dinner on Friday evening where they normally, you know, they introduce all the Hall of Famers that are there and they form a gauntlet, if you will, on both sides of the stage with gold jackets on either side of the aisle, introduce the Hall of Famers that are going in, and then it, it'll, take them, it'll take each guy sometimes five to ten minutes just to make it through as they're hugging and shaking hands mm. with everybody. Well, normally there's seven or eight that go down that gauntlet. This weekend, for Friday night, there's going to be 19. Uh, living Hall of Famers. So I'm not sure how they're going to pull that part of the program off with that many. But the one thing they've done for the weekend uh, for the speeches is they've been impressing upon guys. You can't go long in your speeches. You can't go long. And they've they told every Hall of Famer, JT, that they have six minutes for their speech. And if it goes to eight, music is going to start playing at eight minutes like the Academy Awards. So it's going to be very interesting to see guys trying to stick to that eight-minute uh, mark like a Peyton Manning and some of the other guys. 
Howard Balzer is our guest. So I'm going for Tom Flores, and I'm going to stay through Charles Woodson and got a big weekend lined up, and I'll make sure I see. I'm bringing my wife there for the first time. She can't wait to go. I want to go to the speeches one more time. I've been there, and I didn't look on in horror. This will be my fourth trip, but you've seen guys go to 35 minutes, 40 minutes, yeah. 45 yeah. minutes, and you look around, and you're like, you've got to be kidding me. But then again, you pause and go, it's a Hall of Famer. They're talking about their high school coach, their mom and dad, their brothers and sisters. It's a big topic to me, public speaking and how people handle this. This is the Pro Football Hall of Fame with back-to-back enshrinements. I'm sure these gentlemen have got to be prepared to keep those speeches short because they don't want to be embarrassed, Howard, with the music coming and then them their microphone being turned off. You don't want that to be part of your legacy with your speech. No, you're 100% right. And here's the thing about it. I mean, I remember the Deion Sanders uh, speech, the Chris Carter speech, when he had different members of his family stand up and he would say a couple of words. And then he said, he, he said, Mama, you can sit down now and you're in the Hall of Fame. And those are the ones we remember. The iconic, I thought, one of the greatest I've ever heard, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson and Curtis Martin talking about the things that he overcame uh, growing up. The, the, those longer ones are the ones we remember. We don't remember the speeches where a guy only gave a 10-minute speech. So I understand wanting to keep them concise because the, that, that evening can drag on and on and on. But on the other hand, some of those longer speeches, like I said, are the ones we remember. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be curious just how memorable this weekend is where five, ten years later, people are saying, oh, boy, that, you know, that Isaac Bruce speech or that whoever, you know, that yeah. Edger and James. And, you know, I, I wonder if we're going to have that after this, after this weekend. It's going to be very interesting to see. The great Howard Ball's a longtime friend. We started back at Sports Fan Radio Network, and now we work on the same team at SiriusXM. Peyton Manning's speech and the crowd size, because it's still COVID, still COVID protocol. I think Jim Kelly or Dan Marino had the largest turnouts. And I think that Peyton Manning, I don't know if he can break the record because it's COVID, but Manning could have fans from Tennessee where he played college football, the Denver fans, and then a large contingency from Indianapolis who were there for Edrin James also. So do you keep, a, do you keep a, a running record on this? Do you think out of both days, Saturday and Sunday, who do you think is the biggest draw? Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, usually, and of course, there's several Steelers uh, for both nights, mm-hmm. and Pittsburgh only being about an hour and a half from Canton. I remember that year, several years ago, when Jerome Bettis went in, and boy, oh boy, that, that place was just electric uh, with the bus uh, going into the Hall of Fame. So they always uh, attract people. And you've got Troy Polamalo, who we all hope will be able to go after he revealed the other day that he tested positive. Uh, but you also have Donnie Shell. And of course, the Steelers are in the game uh, on Thursday night. And, uh, and there's some other, you know, other Steelers, too, uh, that are going in. So P- Pittsburgh always uh, comes out from the Hall of Fame. And, you know, we'll see if some of those guys that are from a bit farther away, there'll be people there. But in terms of the big numbers and a loud crowd, a lot of times it's been Pittsburgh. Sometimes, like you said, it's been Buffalo. Uh, but I, I, I would expect there to be quite a few people from Pittsburgh uh, for this weekend. Howard Balzo, as we wrap it up, you know, we've talked on and off the air about Tom Flores having to wait this long. And now in his early 80s, to have to go there and bring his family and his grandkids, you wonder what it would have been like for him to walk around God's green earth with a gold coat 20 years ago. And I noticed that happens with a lot of other old timers and guys who wait and have to wait seven, eight, nine years to get in when they were a Hall of Famer, but they had to wait. I'm not looking at it this time around this way. I'm just looking at the greatness 
of this class, these back-to-back classes. Some gentlemen waited longer than others. Former commissioner Paul Tagulabu. I mean, he had a big impact. All the commissioners have a big impact. Jimmy Johnson and the fact yep. that his career was so shortened, so shortened when he could have had been there much longer with Jerry Jones, and you know how big and bold Jerry is now that he has a gold coat. Give me one or two stories, one personally for you, on why this is going to mean so much for the player that you had a lot to do with, and then maybe something on the outside that you're looking to see the chemistry of the speech in the weekend for a particular player and in Trinee. Well, of course, Isaac Bruce is a guy I presented, uh, and I had it presented for several years. And I don't know that I, I've ever met a classier guy uh, that I got to know uh, than Isaac Bruce, although Aeneas Williams is right there with him. And I wasn't the presenter, but I, I did help with the presentation. And you always feel great for those guys. And those were guys that had to wait. And I think Isaac Bruce wouldn't have had to wait as long had uh, Kurt Warner and Orlando Pace uh, been first-time eligibles at the same mm-hmm. time he was, along with Tory Holt who isn't in yet, but uh, so glad for him. And, and, and so that, that, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be tremendous and, and just seeing guys interact. And, and so, uh, you know, especially with so many hall of famers there, they, they, you know, they, they all have heard about it, but they just never realize what it truly is until they, the guys going in until they get into that headquarters hotel. And all you're doing is walking around seeing these guys that many of them idolized when they were growing up. And they're just all around and congratulating you. And that's, that's a real wake-up moment. But the one wake-up moment, uh, JT, people don't talk about it that much, is the Ray Nitschke luncheon on yeah. Friday, which you, you know, was run by Ray Nitschke back in the day. He's no longer with us. But it's only for the Hall of Famers. They're the only ones. There's no family, nobody else. They're all in the room. And the, the, the new enshrinees don't say a word. And they just go around the room. And the Hall of Famers in there talk about what this truly means to them and what it will mean to you, the, the new Hall of Famers. And that, that is one that the, those, guys, they, those guys talk about for years and years, uh, what that is. And it's one of the great events of the weekend that, um, that no, nobody you hear about it, but no one gets to see it. But it, it's a tremendous event. Howard Balzer, I'll tell you this, and again, you know how much the Hall means to me. I got to know Jim Brown very well. It was a big blessing for me in my career, and also Deacon Jones, who I got to know very well, and the, the Nitschke lunch and what it meant to Deacon when Deacon would get up and speak. I've told Michael Irvin privately to his face, I said, Michael, you should take the role of the leader. You're one of the most passionate people I've ever met in your life, in my life, and you're a Hall of Famer. And now, you know, I get the invitation from Tom Flores to MC his party, and I'm still pinching myself on Sunday night, and I'm having dinner with Fred Bolitnikoff at Bender's on Friday and Saturday night. And I'm saying <laughs> a little boy who grew up in Long Island, New York, watching the sun-drenched field in Oakland as the TV came on and it was raining and cold back in New York, and I'm going to Hall of Fame weekend with you to see this majesty, to see this presentation. I'm just honored to be on the field to be there and watch this you've done it for most of your adult life it never gets old huh no it really doesn't it it totally doesn't this will be the you mentioned it's your fourth time this is my 31st oh my my 31st (laughs) and i'll tell a i'll tell a quick story i had gone to 17 or 18 in a row my first one was 1980 and then with the rams in st louis 
I was covering the team on a daily basis for radio. And all of a sudden I said, you know, oh, the Rams have practice. They've got their scrimmage on Saturday. And there was about five or six years I didn't go to the Hall of Fame. And I'd watch it and I'd say, man. But, you know, I was working. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Well, then I started working for Sirius 2007. And around April or May, I think it was, I got a call from one of the producers who said, how would you like to do a show for us in Canton at the Hall of Fame on the weekend? Uh. And I immediately said yes. And when I, when I, I'll never forget, JT, you know, getting there for the first time that weekend, not having been there for maybe seven or eight years, might have been a little longer, I said to myself, how did I ever think that a training camp scrimmage or a training camp practice was more important than going to Canton for the legacy, the history of the game, what it means to everyone, all those who went before the guys now, and when I said that again, I hope I never miss again. And I haven't missed. Uh, obviously, everyone missed last year, but I haven't missed since then. And like you said, I feel blessed that I'm still able to do it. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not a young guy anymore, but I, I, I feel young. And yep. I, I just hope there's many, many more years that I'm going back to Canton uh, every August. I'll text you this weekend. Love to buy a beverage. Uh, see my wife, uh, see what you have going on there. I'll stop off at Sirius to see you guys. And, again, thanks for doing this. I know how much the hall means to you. You know how much it means to me. Can't wait to see you in Canton. My pleasure. Same to you, JT. Thanks for having me on. Always appreciate it. I always appreciate you. Howard Balzer joining us. And be good to see him out there. 30-plus years going to Canton. Man. Russell Baxter, our other frequent guest, every two weeks. Same thing with him. These guys, it's in their DNA. These NFL scribes, these writers, these guys who are lifers in the NFL, they go back every year. It's their pilgrimage. It's their summer. It's their trip. That's what they do. Been there a few times, and I love it. I think this will be special because it's Tom Flores. It was special for Snake. It was special for Snake, but he wasn't there. And still a shame Cliff Branch is not with us to be there because Cliff should be in the Hall of Fame already. And then after this, the drum will beat for Cliff Branch hard. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports is going to go over some NFL win totals. If you're a gambler, you got to hear what he's thinking about some of these teams. He's next. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. JT, back with you as we are about to talk season win totals in the NFL. I reached out to Lee Sterling at Paramount Sports as we are brought to you by Meet Up Vegas. You know, I always talk about meetupvegas.com. I got the ultimate hookup for you. August is the month of amazing dinners ordered today for Thursday or Friday. Delivery, delicious blue cheese and onion steak sauces. Steakhouse dinners at wholesale prices in the comfort of your home. Love everything about meetupvegas.com. No grocery store for me. The meat gets delivered right to my house for the barbecue. Lee Sterling joins me during the season every few weeks. And whenever I'm talking gambling, he's been in the business as long as anybody, and he's one of the best. Lee, I wanted to reach out to you because of the injuries, two big ones for the Indianapolis Colts. And which gamblers are the winners here as they wait, or they should have waited for these season win totals to come out before they fired? Well, if you if you played the over, obviously, but um, the under looks pretty darn good right now. Uh, I mean, I don't see how they're going to get it done without these two guys. So the question is, do they pull the trigger? Do they maybe go after a Jimmy G and, and offer a first-rounder? Personally, I, I don't think they're there anyway. So 
You know, sometimes you just got got to ride through the season like they did. You know, uh, you know when 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 you know they had the retirement uh, uh, of of one of their key starters yeah. just a couple of years ago after Peyton Manning. So uh, it's a situation you know that's fluid, but the probably the best win total to jump on right now is the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee, right. they've got no one in that division. Totals nine, nine and a half. They could win 12, 13 games. Yeah, I wanted to ask you when it is nine, nine and a half, the number, because you got to go over the number. So if some people sit around and play for that half a point on the under, I understand it there. What is the competition like at sports books when one book has it a game higher or half a game higher than another and the other book doesn't move on it because they want that business to come? How confusing is that and how sharp do you have to be to figure out when to pounce? Well, you've got to be sharp. The key is you got to have you got to have offshore outs. Uh, I was in Vegas on Saturday, and I went to four different sports books. Uh, I wanted money uh, on the New Orleans Saints under. It was nine and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time that I had gotten to one, only one of the four that even had it on the board, it was down to nine. So I sat it out. So I did get some bets in offshore uh, in the last week, ten days, but. Uh, Last three or four days, they've moved it down to nine most places. So the key is, if you don't see the right number, just don't bet it. You know they're not they're not forcing you to. Maybe there'll be some good news. You know, coming out of New Orleans camp in the next couple of weeks, where they look sharp and win a couple of preseason games, it might bump it up to nine and a half. Uh, I love the under for the Sa- the Saints if you can find nine and a half, even at nine, mm-hmm. uh, maybe plus one ten, one twenty. You know they were able to get by last week with two plug and play quarterbacks because they're only playing for five or six weeks. You know, they could, uh, once you get the MO and you you can figure out what a a team's doing with those two quarterbacks when they're limited, um, for a whole year, I I just don't think it's, 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 it's the right way to go. I think they should have, should have gone for someone, but they were cash strapped. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, ParamountSports.com. Man, here comes the love fest again for the Chargers. I, I talk to Charger fans, and I know a number of them, and every year they buy into this hook, line, and sinker. They want the over on the Chargers, and the Chargers let them down. And now with uh, Herbert, who's a hell of a quarterback, I think he's fabulous here as that line moves from 9 to 9.5. And, and people are saying, I still know Charger fans are going over the number. They think they'll win a minimum of 10 games. How much action's on L.A., the Chargers? So it's one of the wagers I do have the over on. Now, what you have to understand is these offshore sports books and Vegas books, what they do is if you add up all the win totals, you're usually going to have six more wins in games played. So the Sharps generally play the under. I, like I said, I played mm-hmm. the New Orleans under. Uh, but one of the overs I played is, yeah, I, I was all over the over. I, I have played the under on the Chargers for many years, but I think without Anthony Lynn, uh, that's addition by subtraction. He cost them four games last year. Yeah. I mean, he's an offensive coordinator. When they got down inside the five, I, I mean, it was almost embarrassing to watch the play calls. You got a stud quarterback, do an RPO. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to to power it in with running backs that are 175, 185 pounds. Just not going to get it done. So, yeah, I think he's. I think he's a superstar. This quarterback, and uh, I, I think that. You could put anyone, uh, any coaching staff together except for Anthony Lynn and, and, and they're good at that. And the injuries. I mean, how many more years can they go? They've gone like, I think the last four years, three yeah. of the last four years, they've been in the top two of injuries lost. So I think maybe for once, finally, 
their luck changes. I have them win 10 or 11 games this year. Great friend, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. I trust him. I put the best of the best on my radio shows. I trust him. That's why you can do business with him. And the Cowboys are interesting because Dak has got a shoulder issue already, coming off a major injury, but he's he's locked up. He's their quarterback long-term. You don't know if they're going to hand it off to Zeke or throw to Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb here. Dallas at 9. And I just know a lot of Cowboy fans love the Cowboys, and they're going to bet that number up. Should I expect that number to go up to nine and a half, ten? I think it will. Uh, they they they're in a really weak division, and it might come down. You know, who knows to the last week? I think Washington is improved. Uh, Giants should be improved also. Uh, Philadelphia, I don't see it. I don't think Hertz is the guy that can take them the distance. So they might be sitting. You know, at at eight and eight and eight, and a final game wins it. But I think that win total is right on the money there. Or they might be at nine and need to win the last game. And like they always do, the last week of the season, they let uh, their fans and their backers down. So that's one of the well, that's one of the totals I think is pretty right on. I'll just I'll take a pass on. Lee Sterling, you know I'm in Vegas with the Raiders number is seven or seven and a half, depending on where you're shopping in Denver. I see Denver at eight and a half, and I'm like, what, what did I see last year? The Raiders beat Denver. They beat them twice. I look, at the, I look at the competition between them two. Is that the media ripping on the Raiders because they're offensive line? They got three new starters, or is it the fact that I don't see something in Denver where the sharp play is Denver in the over here because Denver's going to have a bounce back year? I don't think they have the players. I don't think they have the coaching. Um, you win with a quarterback, and – they got two guys that are just okay. And uh, you know, I think if, if you're trying to win this year, you go with Teddy Bridgewater. The guy doesn't look pretty, doesn't throw the best-looking ball, <laughs> but uh, the kid's a winner. I saw him going back to Miami when he was in high school. I mean, he would – four or five times he had the ball on his 10, 20-yard line with a minute, minute and a half to go, and I think he won four to the five times. The only time he didn't win uh, came up short, it was because uh, they didn't just didn't have enough time. They ran out of timeout. So I would go with Teddy Bridgewater, but I would certainly not play the Denver over. I, I think the Raiders are a sharp play to play the over. I think they're, they're going to have a bounce back. Are they going to win 10 or 11 games? Probably not. But uh, the defense should be a little bit better. Uh, I think they're going to tr- control the ball more. And, uh, you know, they, they they certainly had some bad luck last year with a little bit of luck. Mm. And, and uh, you know, maybe – Maybe a few bounces going their way. Uh, they can win nine or ten games. Hey, Lee, as we wrap this up, when do you play week one? Why would any of your clients play week one now? If you look at the line change in Indianapolis, you can see it here in front of you. Dak and the Cowboys, you know there's going to be injuries. We don't know. if There's three preseason games now, so we should get a good look at some teams. Not their quarterbacks playing every game, but we should have the eyeball test here. Do you tell your clients to wait? for week one to wait to the weekend to bet or do you like some value now way out in front of it i i think i've played i haven't played anything with my clients yet haven't released anything maybe once out of every four or five years i see a line that's a mistake or think a line that's really going to move but uh the, the the problem is when you play early and an injury takes place you, you know you're basically done to a major star so that's that's one of the things I like to stay away from. And it used to be you played six, you know, going back when we were younger, six preseason games. I mean, the fourth and the fifth game, the starters would play three quarters mm-hmm. of the game. Uh, most teams, even in the second week, I doubt they're going to play their starters three quarters. They'll probably play them a half, maybe a series or two under the 
the second half. So it's tougher and tougher to gauge, whereas uh, going back, you could get a, a much better feel on on what a team had with six preseason games. They just don't – teams are afraid. With the, with the money, they just don't want to take a chance on injuries. So uh, I'd rather err on the side of caution. I will sometimes only release two or three games uh, opening week of the NFL season. Why? 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 Now you got 17 weeks. You know why? Why take a chance unloading on the first week when you can lose 20, 30, 40 percent of your bankroll? Let's take it slow. Once we see something week one, week two, then we can. Well, it's totally different from college football. College football week one, I'm firing away because I've seen spring games. Mm-hmm. I know these teams, and and I know what some of these these college players can do. Uh, much easier to gauge. Lee Sterling, last one. You've been a diehard Miami fan. University of Miami, the U. How come your boys aren't running to the SEC as they're taking Oklahoma and Texas? Don't you want to be in the best? You were the best, best college football program. One of the greatest teams of all time and one of the greatest programs for a long run. What do you feel about being left behind from the SEC when everybody's trying to get in there? Well, I said this from the start that they should have, when they were in the Big East, they should have gone to the SEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they made a mistake with that. Uh, now, you know, ACC really isn't going to even be a basketball conference. Yeah. Coach K leaving uh, North Carolina's program, not the same. They lost their coach. Uh, so I, I, I think Miami made a mistake there. Uh, I think Clemson made a mistake. Trust me, Clemson and Florida State and Miami aren't leaving. All these schools are locked into like 2035 or 2040, their media rights. They'd have to pay almost $400 million to get out. So what it is, it's just talk. Florida State and Clemson are not leaving the ACC unless they want to hand over a check for almost $400 million. But if uh, the SEC is somehow able to get some other schools to come aboard, let's say a Notre Dame or or who knows, some of these other big powerhouses, I I think college football will be in serious trouble. So uh, I think the... Uh, NCAA needs to step in and say enough's enough. Uh, you can't go any further. I agree with you. I think the NCAA has no more power anymore, so they're not going to do that. They're getting run over by these conference commissioners and presidents who are trying to lock in as much money as they can with these television right deals. Hey, Lee, great information. Tell everybody where they can find you at Paramount Sports. How do you do it? Uh, the website's ParamountSports.com going on our 28th season. Almost finished watching every single spring college game. So like I said, We'll be firing early in the college season, finishing one of the great uh, Major League Baseball seasons. You can sign up through the World Series, just $297. Football, just $1,397. Use coupon code SAVE300. Right last year, we were the number one documented service in the country, uh, combined college football and the NFL. You can look it up. We're documented. Go to covers.com if you want to see all the games there that I released last year or on my website for the last five years, ParamountSports.com or give me a ring, 800-400-9741. Take care, Lee. Thanks for joining us. Always appreciate it. Thanks, JT. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Very good. Interesting on those season win totals and what you think about certain win totals or not. Are you going to fire away? Now, all of a sudden, the under looks pretty good on Indianapolis compared to where it was with the two big injuries. Lee Sterling joining us, brought to you by Mandelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders, brewed as a model of what good beer should be. Modelo Especial is a rich, full-flavored Pilsner-style lager, delivering a crisp, refreshing taste, brewed with fighting spirit since 1925, and man, 
does Modelo have a big announcement coming? Oh, do they have a big announcement coming in Modelo in the world of the Raider Nation, which we're excited to be a part of. So tonight is the alumni dinner at Allegiant Stadium. I'll be out there for that. I'll tell you how that goes tomorrow. Then I'll be back out at practice tomorrow. We will broadcast the show from the Raider facility. So big show tomorrow night lined up. Thanks to DeMond for coming in for Bobby today. Really appreciate it. You ran a brilliant board. As always, Bobby should be back here tomorrow. And then on a plane Friday, crossing my fingers, leaving Vegas at 6 in the morning through Cleveland to get me to Canton and hope the airlines cooperate. I don't know if I... uh, (laughs) I don't. I don't know if I would have flew Spirit. Where'd you? Where were you in the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico or the Virgin Islands? The Virgin. Will you ever fly them again from the Virgin Islands? No, not Spirit. I. I, yeah. I got to get home. Yeah, you should have called me ahead. We would have had you set up a little bit better than I would have sent a plane for you if you wanted to get back to work. Oh, look at them! They were hitting on the Raiders on NFL Live. No one has anything nice to say about the Raiders, but when they do well, they all jump on the bandwagon on TV. Tell you how they grew up Raider fans. Right, you got Q and you got Vinny B. Vinny asked a lot of questions today. Vinny asked a lot of questions to Gruden. I'm sure he's going to have a big show. So did Q. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you back here tomorrow.